KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Anna Kukolbert. It's Tuesday, May 11th. Stimulus checks just keep coming, but this time from the state. More on that next, just after the headlines. California Governor Gavin Newsom has expanded a drought emergency declaration to most of the state in reaction to acute water supply shortages in the northern and central areas. This spring has been among the warmest and driest springs on record, and it threatens another severe wildfire season. The U.S. Drought Monitor shows most of the state and the American West are in extensive drought. State health officials are now saying the cyber attack at Scripps Health was a ransomware attack, meaning hackers could be holding information in exchange for a payment. Scripps officials say they won't provide details about the attack as that could compromise their investigation. San Diego tourism officials predict that tourism won't fully return to pre-pandemic levels until about 2024. Jobs in that industry accounted for more than a third of all local job losses during the pandemic. That's according to a Sandag report. And there's more bad news. So even if business comes back to 2019 levels, I don't believe employment will come back to 2019 levels ever. Bridget Browning is the president of Unite Here Local 30, a labor union for hotels and hospitality workers in the region. They're going to cut back on amenities that they feel like the guests don't care very much about, which means there'll be significantly less jobs. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Millions of Californians may be getting another round of stimulus checks, this time from overflowing state coffers. KPBS's Melissa May has more. Governor Newsom says the state has a nearly $76 billion surplus in its operating budget, thanks to the taxes paid by wealthy Californians who did well during the pandemic. So he wants to send billions back to taxpayers, starting with a proposed $600 payment to those earning up to $75,000. He calls it the California Comeback Plan, $100 billion to boost the state's economy. $12 billion tax rebate to the people of the state of California, earning up to $75,000. Let me put that in perspective. That tax rebate will impact just shy of 80% of all tax filers will get a direct stimulus check. The governor's office says that $600 is for those who did not receive a first payment. His plan also calls for an additional $500 to qualified families with dependents and undocumented families. We believe people are better suited than we are to make determinations for themselves of how best to use uh, these dollars. And that's why we want to get money into people's pockets as quickly as possible. Along with the stimulus, Newsom is proposing a $5.2 billion plan to help with rent relief. To double the rental assistance in the state of California with the goal of getting 100% of all the back rent paid. 
and provide 100% support over the next few months to renters. Andy is calling for $2 billion of direct relief to pay down water, gas, and electric bills. Newsom plans to roll out more details of his plan throughout the week, ahead of releasing his revised state budget on Friday. All of these proposals will have to be approved by the state legislature. And that was KPBS's Melissa May. The San Diego Unified School District is making efforts to vaccinate students and families in underserved communities by offering easy access clinics on campuses. KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell has more from one of the clinics held at Herbert Hoover High School. Yeah, it was just to not have worries anymore for whenever I go out to, if I ever went, like, go out to not have it bringing into the household. Grateful to receive his first dose of the Pfizer vaccine, Rolando Verdusco, a junior at Hoover High, says the pandemic has been a stressful time for his family. It's very scary or like very something frightening for my family since they, um, one has like um, health issues. He was one of dozens of Hoover High students who lined up after class to receive the coronavirus vaccine at the school's auditorium. The school district partnered with UC San Diego Health and Sharp Healthcare to host the clinic. It's part of the district's efforts with the county to bring the vaccine to underserved neighborhoods with low vaccine rates. A lot of people can say, oh, it's been really easy to get a vaccine, you know, just go to this clinic or go to that clinic. And it's unfortunately, reality, it's not as that easy for everybody. Lack of transportation, money and mistrust are just some of the barriers Hoover High Principal Jason Babineau says his students are facing. To be able to try to tear those barriers down is something that was necessary in City Heights in particular to make sure that everybody that wants a vaccine is able to get it. Students at Monday's clinic received the Pfizer vaccine. Nurse Candice Geyer at Hoover High says vaccine supply is not an issue at the moment. The Pfizer vaccine is given in two doses, 21 days apart. Uh, the site uh, We'll be here Monday and Tuesday, today and tomorrow, 8.30 to 4. Uh, at the time you receive your first dose, the appointment for the second will be made. The vaccine clinics are also being held at other high schools this week, like Lincoln, Crawford and Morse. The vaccine is free and walk-ins are welcome for anyone in the community ages 16 and over. Babineau says the school has been working to educate students and their families about the safety of the vaccine. They're hoping kids will be encouraged to get the vaccine in an environment they feel safe in. As the county continues efforts to vaccinate the population, vaccine rates with the younger generation remain low. And that was KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell. Public health experts say free COVID-19 testing is key to monitoring the pandemic going forward. So why are some people still paying hundreds of dollars to get tested? iNewsource investigative reporter Jill Castellano has more. When Carmen Lucci was exposed to COVID-19 in October, his employer told him he needed a negative test or a two-week quarantine. Lucci is a waiter who has been laid off four times during the pandemic. He couldn't afford another pay cut, so he spent almost $200 on a rapid test at a place called COVID Clinic. They're definitely taking advantage of people over medical necessity, which is definitely something that 
I don't think is right. A survey commissioned by iNewsource found more than 20 testing providers in the county, including COVID clinic, did not bill insurance in some or all cases. That means customers have to pay up front and try to get reimbursed by insurance later. Erin Fousey-Brown, a healthcare expert at Georgia State University, says those upfront costs could discourage people from seeking testing. They may think twice about getting the, the COVID test, and they also may just put it off and never get one. The county runs many free testing sites, but the results could take days. And some residents turn to these expensive providers for faster results. And that was iNewsource investigative reporter Jill Castellano. You can read more about COVID-19 test prices at iNewsource.org. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. Coming up, cleaning up the air around the port of San Diego, and yet the efforts are falling short of community expectations. We'll have more on that and a behind-the-scenes look at Season 2 of Mythic Quest. All of that's next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. The Port of San Diego is considering a plan today that aims to reduce the amount of pollution portside businesses put in the air. The draft policy, however, isn't getting a warm reception from community advocates. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more. Sylvia Calzada says it was scary when her doctor first diagnosed her asthma seven years ago. When your uh, airways shut down and then you can't breathe, That's very difficult, and uh, you get a lot of anxiety. Calzada has lived in National City for more than two decades, and her family roots there run deep. My great-grandmother lived here. My grandmother currently lives here. Calzada remembers living by paint shops and seeing trucks rumbling through her neighborhood. In various of our areas where we lived at, there was a lot of trucks passing by, and we could smell that diesel, you know, popping out, and uh, that affects our, our, our bodies. And then just here in Paradise Creek, there were other trucks passing by, and that smoke is out there. And the trucks are easy to find even today. They roll in and out of the port's marine facility just about a half mile or so from Calzada's Paradise Creek home. Calzada works with other community members to push the port to consider the impact on their neighbors. And back in February, the port ordered staff to develop something called Maritime Clean Air Strategy. The Port Commission Chair Michael Zuchett says he wanted more than just a spirited discussion in a boardroom. What's, what's the plan? How, how are we going to do this? How are we going to transition uh, in a way that maintains all this economic activity, maintains the good, but limits or in some cases eliminates the negative impacts on the surrounding communities with respect to clean air. Commissioners directed staff to put those ideas into writing. They asked for a policy that had specific measurable goals with clean air targets and the mechanisms to enforce compliance. Port Vice President Jason Giffen says the challenge lies in balancing two objectives. A 
focus effort, which is primarily the next generation of how we're going to address clean air and being a good neighbor while at the same time driving forward the economy of the port business at the Port of San Diego. It is a, essentially going to be a policy document that will set the foundation in writing in terms of what will be the port's initiatives and strategies moving forward. But the resulting draft document got a cool reception from community advocates. The Environmental Health Coalition's Danny Serrano says the staff recommendation falls short of what the port commissioners ask for publicly. He says there's a lot of good language about environmental justice and clean air in the document, but... When you get into the details of the MCAS goals and objectives, you know, the meats of the document, uh, it is clear that it is really inadequate and will not, significant, will not sufficiently alter or change the business-as-usual environment at the port. Serrano says the port plan needs to be specific about goals, timelines, and how the port will get there. And his organization is pushing for aggressive goals. Serrano says the port needs to electrify its on-terminal operations and expand that off-terminal. Develop a clean trucks program by the end of this year, 2021, with a clear and phased plan and strategies to transition 30% Uh, zero emission vehicles by 2023, and again, 100% by 2030. And the port seems receptive. Commissioner Michael Zuckett says the public concerns have been heard, and the port is planning another round of public input. I think this is an example of a public agency not just putting a document out for comment uh, by the public and then doing what they want anyway. If this is an example of an agency putting a document out, we got a lot of public comment. We're going to be responsive to the Uh, to that comment. The port is expected to compile the public comments and come back to the commissioners for approval sometime this summer. Zuckett says a working plan represents a huge change in port operations moving forward. And that was KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson. Last year, the TV show Mythic Quest produced a quarantine episode that cleverly used Zoom. And now it's back for a second season on Apple TV+. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando went behind the scenes to explore the challenges of creating comedy during a pandemic. Last year, Apple TV's series Mythic Quest lifted our spirits with a Zoom quarantine episode that captured what many of us were dealing with. Look at the video icon on the bottom left and then click that. And it did so with a wildly creative flair that inspired us with a sense that we're all in this together. That was cool. Can we do it again? The goal for season two was to put the pandemic in the rearview mirror, says star and creator Rob McElhenney. And we felt like people were really going to be looking towards their entertainment, certainly their comedies, not necessarily move completely past the last year, yet looking more towards the future optimistically. Actor and executive producer David Hornsby says they created a special bonus episode called Everlight. Which can address and kind of bridge us back into a normal, fun office comedy so we can all kind of get back to normal. Well, we're not going to figure this out today, so I'm going to take off. So they tried to write episodes that had little to do with the pandemic, says McElhenney. That said, we were shooting right in the middle of the pandemic, and we had to be very cognizant of the fact that it could have been potentially very dangerous. 
In fact, it was very dangerous, and that's why we had very strict protocols all the way through the process. So I've been tested for COVID over 60 times in order to do comedy. I didn't think that my comedy career would lead to so much nasal swabbing, but here we are. Mythic Quest writer and co-creator Megan Gant says she never expected a comedy show about the gaming industry needing to hire an epidemiologist. Yep, we, we had epidemiologists, we had doctors, we had people standing around with six foot poles that would just walk around and be like, ah, you're too close, you know? And everything changed. When I have a, a joke on set, an alts for a line, and I could just whisper it to Rob and David and get a second read on whether it was funny, now I just had to shout it out like across a room, which is a very vulnerable place to be in. No amount of masking and protection protects you from the silence that occurs when you shout out a joke that nobody likes. The character of Brad, played by actor Danny Pudi, proved well-suited to a pandemic workplace. In some ways, Brad is built for this because he is not giving high fives at work. He's not hugging anyone. He is very comfortable in his own space with his hands in his pockets. Mythic Quest looks behind the scenes of creating an epic multiplayer video game. So while epidemiologists were available to offer COVID information, Ubisoft, an actual video game company that's also a show producer, is on hand to provide a different kind of expertise, says Hornsby. They're like uh, being on a medical show and having a doctor on set. Again, Rob McElhenney. We make sure that we speak to people who work in the industry, specifically either at Ubisoft or various other studios, because we want to make sure that it feels authentic to the, to the, to the gaming experience. And so it's great to work with them. They give us access to so many different things that we would never have access to. And mostly they, they create a certain level of authenticity that we're, we're desperately trying to, to recreate. Sorry to crash your little boys club. Charlotte Nickdow plays Poppy, the game's lead engineer. Yeah, it's very helpful having one of our producers, Jason Altman, on set most days because I have to say a lot of technical jargon. So I feel like we got a lot of takes of me like getting halfway through talking about something and then being like, Jason, was that right? <laughs> And when the series needs to actually show what the characters are creating, they have a real gaming company on board to help produce results, says Gantz. We devise really weird and wonderful things to happen in the video game. And then actual artists build these moments, like uh, have a person digging with a shovel and making crude shapes out of it. Somebody spent a lot of time making that actually work. It's just been the most fantastic partnership um, and they are there in the writer's room all the time, and they're really helping us guide the show. Mythic Quest may focus on gaming, but it captures universal truths about both office life and living in a world still dealing with a pandemic. And it does both with clever humor. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. Mythic Quest Season 2 has new episodes that drop each Friday on Apple TV+. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio, or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.